Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Can we all stand to our feet today? We have a really special, unique experience that we're about to step into, and I wanna prepare our hearts with the word of the Lord. In the book of Psalm 66, it says, shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to your name. They sing praises to your name. One more time, it says, shout for joy to God, all the earth. Shout to joy to God for all the earth. Can we just do that right now? Can we just lift up a hallelujah in the sanctuary? Come on, God is good, Cathedral of Faith, all the time. Well, we have a special day today. Uh, we have some guests, as you can see right behind me. This is Dave Lemieux, and this is House of Soul, and they're gonna lead us here together on an incredible journey that in inspires and informs uh, and, and centers our focus here today. But before we do get into the presentation, we're gonna have a time of worship. You know, and as I read that Psalm, one of my favorite lines from the, from the book of Psalms, it says, let us exalt his name together. And that instructs us today. That says, don't watch them lead us. It says, jump in with them as they lead us. Don't sit and observe, participate. This is the time where we all in this room are centered around the presence of God and his good news. And it says, shout for joy, all the earth. All of Cathedral of Faith today, shout for joy. Those who are watching at the other campuses, Milpitas, Morgan Hill in the Philippines, Shout for joy all to the, all the earth. Those who are watching even three, four weeks from now, online in your homes, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Let us exalt his name together, amen? amen. One more time, God is good, and all the time. Now, Cathedral of Faith, I want you to give uh, our friend Dave Lemieux and his group, House of Soul, a great big Cathedral of Faith. San Jose, welcome. Could you put your hands together as they lead us today? Yeah, yeah. Gonna let our praises echo, because the love of God is echoing in your soul, is it not? Is the love of God echoing in your soul this morning? Hey! When night has fallen, when fear is coming, still you're calling me. When faith is lost and my hope exhausted, you will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, Promises to me, promises to me. There's no stop. What you have stopped, it is complete.
hearts are full of gratitude today. And Dave, House of Soul, thank you so much for leading us in worship today. Would you let them know how much you appreciate them leading us? And I especially love the words to that second song because my dad's theme song years ago to his television program, he would walk out and start singing, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds a future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. What a powerful, powerful truth. So thank you, Dave. That was awesome. Well, hello, Cathedral family. It's great to see everybody, those who are here on site, those watching online, different campuses, out in the parking lot. I hope you're staying dry. Hello. So good to have you with us today. I invite you to join in declaring it's our affirmation of faith here at the Cathedral of Faith. Would you lift up your voice with me? I can sense a little extra joy in the house today. From all the 49er fans in the house, I can sense the joy. For all of us Raider fans, we're just used to this by now. But all the Niner fans, there's a little extra spring in your step today. So declare it with me. Would you say it with me? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. For great is our God and greatly is he to be praised. I'm his child. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Therefore, no weapon formed against me will prosper. The weapons of my warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of enemy strongholds. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious because I walk by faith and not by sight. And greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Amen and amen and amen. <laughs> I know who I am today. I am who God says I am. Yeah, so before you're seated, look at two or three people and tell them, I know who I am. Amen. I know who I am. More than a conqueror. <laughs> Well, good morning, Cathedral of Faith family. Isn't it a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord? I want to give you a great, big Cathedral of Faith welcome. We're so glad you're here. And if you're new to Cathedral of Faith and you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you, in the seat back in front of you, there's this Let's Connect card. Please scan it. The QR code with your phone or complete on the back. We'd love to get connected with you and help you learn how you and your family can grow here at Cathedral. Well, here's a few updates on some items that are happening here at Cathedral. Any day now, we're hoping to open up our infant care and preschool uh, through our partnership with Dr. Cliff Doherty from Valley Christian Schools. So uh, check out the school's phone number up on the screen or the website for enrollment information. And speaking of schools, our very own University Preparatory Academy is now accepting applications for next school year, as well as our hosting information nights. For those of you that don't know, UPA is a tuition-free public charter school. It's a seventh through 12th grade school that happens every day. We have 700 students, and US News and World uh, Report has ranked it in the top schools in the nation. So that's, so check out their website, their phone number for enrollment information. And most importantly, for all the coffee drinkers in the house, I have good news for you. Our coffee shop renovation will be done at the end of the month and we'll be pouring coffee, all right? <laughs> of course, that's their biggest thing that I get excited about here at Cathedral. Just want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, please download our Cathedral of Faith app so you can stay in touch with us and we can stay in touch with you for all the latest and greatest happenings here at Cathedral. Well, during the holidays, we got some great news from our campus pastors, uh, John and Myra Jalik uh, from the Philippines, and they got a special message in case you didn't hear it about the good news, what's going on in the Philippines. 
Hello, Cathedral family. This is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Myra. And we're so excited because we're standing in front of Cathedral of Faith Philippines. For nine years, we have been nomads traveling from place to place. But through God's blessing and his miracles, he has provided for us a place here in San Manuel that we can call our sanctuary and our home. So right now, I'd like to take you on a little tour uh, to see the miracles and the blessings that God has provided for us here. And we're so excited this first Christmas celebration that we're about to have here at Cathedral of Faith Philippines because we will be having a baby dedication on Christmas Day. And not only that, here in the corner over here, we have our baptism pool and we will be having a mega baptism. And we're so excited because none of this would have happened without the vision and the support of our senior pastor, Pastor Ken, and also Pastor Kurt, who sent us forth here in the Philippines to plant a church. And we're so excited because just like the star of Bethlehem was a star that led the wise men, we are praying that here in our community, here at San Manuel, that this church will be a lighthouse to bring people to have a deeper, closer relationship with Jesus Christ, that they may know him and come to love him, just like our cathedral family there in San Jose. So from us here in the Philippines to our family there in America, we want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Boy, to see how God's at work through cathedral, not just here in the Bay Area, but around the world, in the Philippines, Mozambique, in Italy, in England, how God is enabling us to team up with others. And so I just want to thank you for your giving, the way that you faithfully give. You know, the New Year's a, a great time to reaffirm our commitments to the thing that matters. And one of the ways we put God first is through our giving. And as you have faithfully given, there's lots of ways to give through our app, through the you can text, you can go online and give through our website, or you can give at the end of service. But thank you so much for faithfully supporting the work of the kingdom here at Cathedral of Faith. And we're believing that the best days are still ahead of us here at Cathedral of Faith. All God's people said, amen, amen. Let me speak God's blessing over you and on this day. Father, I thank you for our cathedral family. Thank you for friends and guests that are here today. Thank you for your provision here at Cathedral of Faith. Thank you that you have sustained us through the pandemic. Thank you, God, for the way that you have blessed all of us. We've had food to eat and clothes to wear and a shelter over our heads. God, you woke us up today. You've given us the very breath that we have, and we're very grateful for that. And Lord, we surrender our earning power to you. We know that ultimately you are our source. And I pray that you would continue to make your people in 2023 a target of your favor in every way so that we can be an even greater blessing to our city and to our community in the days ahead. It's in Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, we pray this. Amen. 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 What an exciting day. Yeah, let's give God praise for his provision in our lives. If you're grateful today, thank you, Father. Amen. This is such an exciting day for me. Um, I know I've been on staff for 41 years. I'm getting old. And we've had so many highlights over the years, some amazing guests that we've been privileged to have with us here at the church. One of my personal highlights was when we had uh, the son of Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King III was here with us in the 90s for a weekend, and he spoke, and what an amazing weekend that was for us back in the 90s. And so when my brother told me that Dave Lemieux in the House of Soul had this presentation available for the Martin Luther King weekend, I was so excited about it. I said, yeah, for sure, let's have it. And uh, you know, Dave Lemieux and the House of Soul, they've been doing this particular presentation, some variation of it, for 20 years. And they take this presentation, isn't that awesome? Yeah. And they've been taking it into schools across the country, and they've been taking it, well, around the world. 
really sharing the, the message of Dr. King and his memory with the next generation, inspiring faith in them that they can make a difference. They can leave the world a better place than they found it. And uh, as I was driving to church today, I was thinking about Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, how in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, you have this list of these great men and women of faith who accomplished amazing things. And then in chapter 12, it starts this way. It says, since we have such a huge crowd of witnesses of faith watching us from the grandstands. Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back. And especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. There's a cloud of witnesses today that are cheering us on. And one of those witnesses is Dr. Martin Luther King. He's cheering us on today to keep that dream alive. And I hope that you'll open up your hearts, prepare to be challenged, encouraged, inspired by At the Table with Dr. King. Would you give a great big welcome to the House of Soul as they come? I never will forget one night very late. It was around midnight. And you can have some strange experiences at midnight. Telephone started ringing and I picked it up. On the other end was an ugly voice. That voice said to me in substance, we are tired of you and your mess now. And if you aren't out of this town in three days, I'm gonna blow your brains out and blow up your house. I had heard these things before, but for some reason that night it got to me. I turned over and I tried to go to sleep, but I couldn't sleep. Frustrated, bewildered. Then I got up and went back to the kitchen and I started warming some coffee, thinking that coffee would give me a little relief. Then I started thinking about many things. I pulled back on the theology and philosophy that I had just studied in the university trying to give philosophical and theological reasons for the existence and the reality of sin and evil, but the answer didn't quite come there. I sat there and thought about beautiful little daughter who had just been born about a month earlier. We have four children now, but we only had one then. She was the darling of my life. I'd come in night after night and see that little gentle smile. And I sat at that table thinking about that little girl and thinking about the fact that she could be taken away from any minute. I started thinking about a dedicated, devoted, and loyal wife who was over there asleep. She could be taken from me, I could be taken from her. And I got to the point that I couldn't take it any longer. I was weak. Something said to me, you can't call on daddy now. He's up in Atlanta, 175 miles away. You can't even call on mama now. You gotta call on that something and that person that your daddy used to tell you about. That power that can make a way out of nowhere. I discovered then that religion had to become real to me and I had to know God for myself. 
Now bow down over that cup of coffee. I never will forget it. Oh, yes, I prayed a prayer. And I prayed out loud that night. I said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause that we represent is right. Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now, I'm faltering, I'm losing my courage. I can't let the people see me like this because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to get weak. Seemed at that moment that I could hear an inner voice saying to me, Martin Luther, Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. I tell you, I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roll. I've felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. What you just heard was Martin Luther King Jr. in his own words describing what he would have called a defining moment in his life. He said it took place while he was just sitting at his kitchen table one night. Now, it's a moment that might have looked very differently had he not already been listening for and ready to respond to the call on his life. What you're about to hear is a poetic recreation of that night. And then we're going to invite you to take a short journey with us through the American Civil Rights Movement. We're going to start in the Church of America South in the 1950s, where Martin Luther King Jr. lived and worked. But we won't stay there long. We're going to follow Dr. King outside the walls of his comfort zone into a jail cell. He spent a lot of time in jail. Onto the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., where he gave the famous and iconic speech, and even through a funeral procession until we end up right back here at the kitchen table where oftentimes our calling to our community is discovered. Enjoy. It is not tragic to try and fail. It is tragic to lack the guts to dream at all. It is not tragic to search the earth for a frequency that fills your life with purpose, but it is tragic to pick up a signal and never respond. Are you listening? Tune in carefully, because you never know when your dream will come calling for you. On January 27th in 1956, Dr. King was sitting at his kitchen table drinking coffee as dark as the death threats that he'd received over the phone. And right when the struggle got the best of him, when the weight was just too much to sling over his shoulders anymore, his dream took on a voice and it spoke to him. Martin, are you listening? Your people are served in the back alleys of restaurants. They are not considered worthy enough to clean. Martin, are you listening? Your tired and huddled masses are forced to ride in the rear of their buses. Martin, are you listening? Your children are not welcome in their schools. You were forbidden to vote in their polls in a nation that your hands helped build in a land still stained with the blood of your ancestors. Their voices crying out thick from the fields that gave this country its spine. Martin, are you listening? Then stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth. And dream, Martin. Dream. One, two, three. Now, in the Church of America South, In the 1950s, no one stayed in their seats when the music started. Come on, get up with us. That's it, get in on this.
Dr. King was more than a man with a dream. He was a man who pursued his dream with great honor and integrity. Growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, Dr. King knew early on the horrors of segregation, the separation of people based on the color of their skin. But he was smart and full of hope for what the future could be for all Americans. As a Baptist minister, Dr. King became a civil rights activist early in his career. He led the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott and helped found the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in 1957, serving as its first president. His efforts led to the 1963 March on Washington where he delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. There he raised public consciousness of the civil rights movement and established himself as one of the greatest orators in US history. But it was Dr. King's commitment to creating a place where his own children wouldn't be judged by the color of their skin that really pushed him into action. Now, Dr. King's commitment to the civil rights movement came at the ultimate cost. Leading up to his assassination over 50 years ago, he was arrested and sent to jail many times. And we tell you this because one of the most important moments in the whole civil rights movement happened in a jail cell in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, when Dr. King went to Birmingham, it was his goal to end the city's discriminatory and civil and economic policies. And to do this, Dr. King had a very odd goal. He wanted to get as many people arrested so that the jails would be full and that the country might pay attention to the injustices happening there. So, he and the black citizens of Birmingham got together and they protested these unfair laws by doing the things they weren't supposed to do. And this tactic, it worked beautifully because Dr. King was arrested again and sent to jail again. But this time, it wasn't just adults in jail, but children as well. While he was in jail, the local clergy, or his fellow pastors, who you think would have supported him, they got together and they published a statement in the local newspaper stating their displeasure with his timing and his tactics. Really, just that he had come there at all to stir up trouble. And while he was in jail, he wrote them a letter back. And you might think that letter would have been defensive, furious, but no. It's measured, it's timeless, and it's important, which is why we want to share part of it with you today. So here's an excerpt of what Dr. King wrote in his letter from a Birmingham jail. We know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Frankly, I have yet to engage in a direct action campaign that was well-timed in the view of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with one of our distinguished jurists that justice too long delayed is justice denied. Jail is a lonely place where oftentimes the only comfort you can find is the comfort within your own heart.
call and response, right? Huge part of jazz music, obviously, but also an integral part of the way the civil rights movement came together as well because the people who planned these marches and events viewed these circumstances around them as a call to action. And then in turn, they put out the call to everyone they knew to help them respond in protest. And they, they responded. Hundreds of thousands of people came. They put their lives in harm's way for the sake of others. When we do this in school, we remind them that it was even students who responded. Incredible. So one of the... Um, one of the biggest ways of how call and response helped shape the movement as a whole happened on August 28, 1963, and this was the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. On that day, more than 200,000 Americans from all backgrounds and all walks of life came together in the nation's capital. And for Dr. King and the other leaders of the movement, this was their opportunity to make a big push for the government to finally pass the Civil Rights Act. When it was finally passed about a year later, this was the first law that guaranteed equality for everyone from a legal standpoint. So on that day, as Dr. King was speaking to the giant ocean of people, something very interesting happened we want to share with you. Because he was giving a speech he had planned and prepared, but something happened that made him speak about something else. Seated close to him was his good friend, Mahalia Jackson, a very famous and prolific American gospel singer. But more to the point, she was Dr. King's good friend. And at different rallies and smaller events, she had heard him speak about his dream for all humanity. But that's not what he was talking about that day. But she looked out at the crowd and she knew those people on that day needed to hear about his dream. But that's not what he was saying. So she called out to him, Martin, tell them about the dream. He just kept on giving his <laughs> prepared speech. And then what happened next? If I'd been in her shoes, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to do what she'd done. I'm not sure I would have been brave enough to interrupt him again, but she knew. Martin, tell them about the dream. She called out again. And then he began to say the famous words that now we all know so well. So thank goodness for our friends who call us to action when we need it. And thank God that on that day, Dr. King heard his friend's call, and here's how he responded. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state weltering with the heat of injustice, weltering with the heat of oppression, be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. So let freedom reign from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom reign from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom reign from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. in every hamlet, from every state and every city. We will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last.
Dozens of policemen and rioters have been injured, and at least 50 persons have been arrested. Right now, parts of Memphis are approaching a state of siege. A curfew has been ordered for 6.30 tonight. All bus service has been halted. Police, who had been on the alert for possible violence, quickly moved in. The marchers were pushed back, but not before some of them had broken store windows and pulled merchandise into historic Beale Street. Some of Dr. King's supporters shielded him from the violence and hustled him into a waiting car. He left the area. And therefore, we must work with determination to solve the problems that exist in all of our communities, and we must not let up one iota in our determination to see that the goals of the sanitary workers are achieved, that they are recognized as a union, and in recognizing them as a union, they are recognized as persons, and we must not allow the events of the day to cause us to let up. That would be a tragic error. This is a temporary restraint order and a complaint that we are serving upon each of you individuals that we'll name. It's issued by the City of Memphis Municipal, Municipal Corporation, the complainant versus Martin Luther King, Jr., Hosea Williams, Reverend James Bevel, Reverend James Orange, Ralph D. Abernathy, and Bernard Lee, all non-residents of the state of Tennessee. And I'm going to give each of you a copy of the restraining order and the complaint that is attached. Mm -hmm. Dr. King, is your copy? Mm -hmm. All right, all right. Memphis, 1968. So you saw the dream speech, 1963. Memphis, 1968. 1963, I have a dream. 1968, I have a restraining order. <laughs> Crazy to me. Now, Memphis became kind of a capital city of chaos in 1968. Many groups converged on that city. Some of you may have been alive during that time. You had orderly groups like the strikers, like the students, in some cases, who cutting class and organizing to support the strikers, like Dr. King's Southern Christian Leadership Conference. But you also had the disorderly groups, the, the fringe groups that were just there to stir up the chaos, like the invaders, for instance. And I think the problem was the police at the time couldn't or didn't or wouldn't distinguish between these very different kinds of groups. And that's why you end up with Dr. King, of all people, being issued a restraining order. Don't bring your light to my city. It's amazing. Now, did you notice while he's being given that restraining order, his friends were right there with him receiving the same thing, willing to go to jail, willing to be in harm's way, willing to face the chaos with him. They did not abandon him when he was at his most vulnerable. And what we tell students when we go into schools is, you know, don't fall for those fortune cookie proverbs that say things like, you know, just one pebble in the ocean will make a endless ripples. Because I think Dr. King would say, oh, maybe, but I needed my friends. I needed my friends. When you're trying to do the right thing in the right way, in the middle of so much wrong, you're going to need your friends. And when your friends are trying to do right things, they're going to need you to stand right there with them. We need to learn how to stand with each other, not when it's convenient, but when it's inconvenient. How to lean on each other when we need it most, or else we're just going to topple right into the chaos. Sometimes in our lives We all have pain We all have sorrow But if we are wise we know that there's always tomorrow So lean on me When you're not strong And I'll be your friend I'll help you carry on For it won't be long Till I'm gonna need Somebody to lean on 
Dr. Martin Luther King life was a life well lived. Sadly, it was cut short one night in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, as you saw, Dr. King had traveled there at the end of March 1968 to support the strikers, the black public works employees who were striking for higher wages and better treatment and had been doing so since February the 12th. Uh, some example, of the kind of stuff they were dealing with was that when work was canceled due to bad weather, then the, the black employees only got paid for two hours of work. All the white employees got paid for the entire day. Now, Dr. King spoke at a rally in April, on April 3rd, 1968. And there he delivered his now famous I've been to the mountaintop speech. This turned out to be the last full public address that he gave. Let's take a look at it. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over 
and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. This is an NBC News Hotline special report. Here is Don Hickman in Memphis. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was shot outside a Memphis motel this afternoon. His condition is not... We interrupt this program for a special report from ABC TV News. A report from AP says Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., 1964 Nobel Prize winner and America's leading exponent of nonviolence in the civil rights struggle was shot to death Thursday night. I have some very sad news for all of you and I think uh, sad news for all of our fellow citizens and people who love peace all over the world. And that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis. According to those present with Dr. King over 50 years ago, during his final moments before being shot on the Lorraine Motel balcony, King's last words were to musician Ben Branch, who was scheduled to appear with him later that evening. And he said, Ben, Make sure you play Precious Lord and make it real pretty. Moments later, a shot rang out, and for obvious reasons, the, event, the, the song was not sung. And the event was canceled, and Precious Lord was not performed that evening. But it was performed at Dr. King's funeral on April 9th, and it was sung by none other than Dr. King's good friend, Mahalia Jackson.
Thank you. Just have a few more moments with you, and I want to take you back in time about 40 minutes or so when the program first began, and Dr. King was talking to us through the loudspeakers here, and he was recounting a night. He said he was out in his kitchen, which was odd because it was midnight. The reason he's out in his kitchen at midnight is because the phone rang. Back in the 50s, you want to know who's on the other end of the phone, you got to get up, you got to answer, you got to say, who is this, right? We're told that between 30 and 40 times a day, a phone kind of like this one would ring, and, and rather than being a friend on the other end or a congregant on the other end, it was the opposite of those things. He said that particular night, the voice was ugly. You remember him saying that? Ugly voice. Specific threat. You got three days to get out of Montgomery. You don't leave with your one-year-old daughter and your wife was asleep down the hall there. We're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. Now, imagine receiving one phone call like that in your life and then multiply it by 30 times a day. And that's what we're talking about here. He said he believed that voice, the ugly voice. And he had reason to because three days after that phone call, somebody threw a stick of dynamite on that porch. His wife was home. His one-year-old was home. Nobody was hurt, but the porch was destroyed. King had to rush home from five blocks away where he was preaching to go calm a, a crowd who wanted to go take revenge. Amazing. So King knew the voice meant business, and he, in a, in a moment of humanity, he called it weakness. He said, I was weak. I hung up that phone, and I was just praying out loud to the Lord, and I was ready to take a step back from this movement. Does he want me to maybe just become a family man for a while? Let somebody else with fewer obligations get out there and lead where this is going and if that's where the story would have ended that night, he might not have ended up in our history books. Maybe a few things from the movement didn't get done. But, you know, it still would have happened and he would have maybe survived. But that's not where the story ended that night. He said after he hung up the phone with that ugly voice still ringing in his kitchen, there was a second voice. Do you remember he said that? That's the voice that came to him. He recognized it immediately. That's the voice that said, Martin, do not give up. This is the time to stand up. Stand up for righteousness and justice and truth. And Martin, if you do that, you will not be alone. So there he is. Put yourself in his position, sitting there with two voices and an impossible choice to make. Do I follow this calling on my life or do I protect my family? What we tell students is, you're going you're gonna to face things like this perhaps in your life, maybe even your young life. And when you do, remember this program today and remember the courageous choice that Dr. King made in the face of great obstacle. And he did that out of his faith that God is who he said he is and he would do what he said he would do. And that he would not have to face the challenges alone. I'm hoping that all of us in this room can agree on one thing, and that is that the Lord was with Martin Luther King Jr. during his work. He promised he would be, and I believe he was faithful to his promise. And I pray that for all of you, when you decide to follow that call on your life, the prompting of God on your life, that you will not be alone. God bless you. Thank you so much for hosting us this time. Thank you for celebrating and honoring the life of Dr. King. Do that as best you can. This is how we do it. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Dave and the House of Soul one more time. Let them know how much we appreciate. What a powerful, powerful presentation. Thank you. Father, we are so grateful today for what we've seen, what we've heard. And I pray all of us would lean in to this message that as the cathedral of faith, we would be strong and courageous. We would not be afraid or discouraged because the Lord God is with us wherever we go. We thank you for the life of Dr. King. May that dream continue to work its way 
through our world. We're grateful, especially for this week, and we honor his memory. Thank you again, God, for your goodness, your promise, the dream that you have for each of our lives. That's what we want to find and fulfill with the one life that you blessed us with. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's give God praise. Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Wow. Well, thanks so much again for coming out today. If you need prayer right after service, our team will be down here to pray with you and pray for you. I encourage you, continue the journey with us next weekend. I'll be speaking and Boy, we're just so excited about this coming year, and thank you again. You know, they came all the way. It's from Denver, right? I mean, so all the way from Colorado. They're going to be in schools this week in the Bay Area. They'll be doing the presentation at the charter school up in Milpitas, over in Menlo Park. So again, we just speak blessing on your time together over at those schools, that God would use you in a powerful way. Thanks for the vision, Dave. Keep it up, man. Stay strong. All right, buddy. Amen. Let me speak God's blessing on you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And once more, every day when you get up, may the words of Joshua be strong in your heart. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen and amen. Have an awesome week, Cathedral.